I believe in the Church of Baseball. I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Siva, trees, mushrooms, and Isidore Duncan. I know things. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen, and it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 162, and the movie that we watched this week, myself for the first time, somehow, was Bull Durham. And joining me to talk about it, Dan Patrice, a.k.a. Dan Dan the Tabletop Man, or Dan the Geek Jock, uh, the man of many names. Dan, how are you doing tonight? How's it going, me? Good to see you. <laughs> it's going. It's going well. I'm uh, starting off great. Uh, so I don't know how I happen to not see this. Uh, baseball is the sport that I follow. Like, okay. I have a MLB TV subscription. I follow, uh, you know, trade rumors in the off season, and this was a weird off season with the the whole lockout situation. But like, baseball oh, course, is the yeah. sport that I follow, and I love baseball movies. I I love, uh, you know. The comedies like uh, like Major League, I like um, For Love of the Game. All this kind of like any movie that's kind of somehow centered around baseball, I, I just enjoy. Yet somehow I never saw this, and I don't understand it at all. Like it doesn't make any sense. But uh, but you mentioned it, and you were right in that it's a perfect movie for us to talk about. But also, it's April; it's baseball season. So, what's oh, yeah. your history? Opening day was only a couple of days ago, too. It, it was. So what's your history? What is your history with Bull Durham? When did you first see it and, and kind of where did it go from there? So my dad was a big, uh, he was a big movie guy. He was one of these guys that, uh, so I mean, I'm a man of a certain age, you know, I'm, I just turned 47 a couple weeks ago. So uh, growing up in the 80s and playing baseball during this time and, and junior high, high school, and then college, I, I started, I played college uh, in 93 was when I graduated high school. So this movie was just quintessential and and you're just doing lines like crazy with you know uh, movie lines with everybody constantly especially in the clubhouse and the locker room and everything you know and when, when you're on the field and everything so like i said my dad was a big movie head so he was a big vhs guy he just had just and he would just make copies for he's doing a lot of the illegal stuff but without without charging anything for it so it was just for sure. his own collection mm -hmm. so uh he just had just hundreds of thousands of movies so we watched movies whenever i went to my dad's house on the weekends because you know being our age almost everybody came from a broken home if you grew up in the 80s pretty so, close yeah uh, i went to, <laughs> right to my dad's house and uh we would watch like a couple of movies on saturday a couple of movies on sunday or friday and saturday and then so i just watched so many movies and then bull durham came out uh, and it was just, just a little bit different than everything at the time. Cause of course, like, um, I don't know if you watched a lot of the, I, I just love dip, dipping into things like behind the scenes and stuff like that for, mm -hmm. for some movies. And when I went to go rewatch this for about the hundredth time, just to keep it fresh in my head as usual, uh, I was like, Oh my God, it's not really streaming anywhere. And then I, so I, I, I actually took out my DVD, not even a Blu-ray oh, wow. DVD copy of Bull Durham Ooh. and it had some extras on there and stuff. So I watched that and, uh. Uh, it was just just really cool because they were even talking about how you know minor league movies or baseball movies weren't really a big thing in the mid eighties. Nope. You didn't really see a whole lot of that. I mean, other than what the seventies had Bad News Bears and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I don't even think the Natural had come out yet. I mean, it, it hadn't had that big hit yet. Not really. No, the the Natural I think might have been a year or two before this, but we didn't have 
this kind of helped to really usher in sort of a baseball movie renaissance for a few years. There was this movie, there was Eight Men Out, there was Field of Dreams, A League of Their Own. Uh, I mentioned Major League earlier and it's a couple of sequels. Angels in the Outfield was another one I remember. Right. Like all these movies kind of came out within about a 10 year time span. Um, I, I would say that yeah, I didn't natural... realize natural was that many, was that many, it was like four years earlier than I didn't even realize that was uh, so much earlier than this, but that was a period piece too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And... Oh, but, but feel the dreams in this movie. Just so, so amazing. Sorry, oh. I'm good. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're right. <laughs> I mean, feel, so feel the dreams is one I have a big connection with. Cause I saw that when I was young and it was the Kevin Costner baseball movie and it had James Earl Jones in it and it had, you know, just the everything surrounding it and the to the majesty that they gave to baseball and what i when i was watching this one of the first things that kind of popped into my head was like all right so this isn't field of dreams but it's not trying to be and it isn't quite your your major league level comedy where it's like mm-hmm. completely ridiculous and nut like hardly any of it you feel like could really happen even though some of it's probably closer to reality than we would think but like Bull Durham felt like it felt real. And then as I'm reading about it later and I find out that the writer and director was a minor league baseball player and he was, so he was writing from experience and that's the kind of thing that makes a movie like this work. And it gives it like that next level where there's authenticity you feel in that because it's like, okay, some of this is written from experience and you can always tell when, when a movie or, or a scene in a movie is written by somebody who's never experienced the thing they're trying to write. I see this a lot in television, mm-hmm. especially. Um, right. And it's so often that you'll get movies uh, about sports or, and, and really it's, it's anything kind of um, skilled like that, right? Where you see a movie involving it and it's like, well, that's not how it really works or that's not how it really goes, but it's, it's the Hollywood interpretation of it. This is closer. This feels like, like people, you know, it's people that knew what baseball was and knew how it worked really getting into it. And they had, they, you always have technical advisors, um, but I felt like they, right. they listened to them a lot more here too. Yeah. It's pretty so. interesting how um, even like you said, he was a minor league ball player and, and almost all the, you know, there's a lot of little anecdotes kind of brought into one where, uh, you know, a lot of little stories from, from his past too. And it's funny because I think um, wasn't one of the movies we were thinking about doing was uh, was Slapshot? Was that one of the movies we were? That thinking was about another doing? one, yeah. So Slapshot also the parallel there is um, so the guys that play the Hansons in the movie. I'm sure you know who the Hansons are mm-hmm. without seeing it. So oh, the yeah. Hansons, uh, two of them are actually brothers, and a lot of that movie is based on their minor league. Uh, what happened to them when they played in the minor league of hockey, like kind of the, the, the way low minor league hockey, sure, but sure. the same thing where, where this director and writer, he, he took a lot of his own uh, stories there. I'm sure there was um, a little bit of kind of some, some of the script. Cause they even said that uh, Kurt Russell, I read that he actually helped with the script a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's interesting is I'm not sure if you ever seen the, I think it's the, the bad battered bastards of baseball or whatever. It's, it's a documentary on Netflix so Kurt Russell's dad actually owned it's and it's a story and I'm a huge baseball net like you and I I never even heard of this whole minor league team that existed uh, in Portland Oregon and for like the early 70s mm-hmm. and it was like low A ball and Kurt Russell actually played for this team for for a time so I'm sure he probably put a little bit of his experience in that in helping with the script uh, you know because I I know he had reached out or or he had talked to the director writer uh, for for a time too but just amazing like just. You can kind of feel, even being around it, like I said, I played played some ball. I mean, very, very 
you know, minor uh, base, uh, college baseball. And I played, actually even played like a little half a season of, of, of semi-pro, which was when you play in the, uh, and it kind of reminded me of some of this, because when you're in the deep south, I, don't, I, well, I guess not the deep south, it was just North Carolina. So sure. it's kind of middle of nowhere, North Carolina. I don't know, because I think the deep south is considered what, Alabama and Mississippi and stuff. But we're Probably. still in, we're still entrenched in the south and kind of the um, the tobacco league, you know, that this mm-hmm. whole area of, of North Carolina. And it's even more middle of nowhere feeling than even those minor league stadiums were. Oh yeah, because uh, I just did it for 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 a few months one summer, and it was just a great time. But it's just it's just that cool feel, and just you have these this mix of these veterans uh, that have been around that that want to tell you everything they've ever been through, veterans that never want to tell you a thing. Like they mm-hmm. just just get away from me, kid. And they're just they're just playing to have fun and and to relive glories. And then the, the other guys that are just out there to have fun. And then there's some pro guys that uh, were getting ready for their regular season. So it's it's pretty cool to see how that goes. And it's kind of almost like a minor league yeah. uh, feel to it when with this whole. But just so much fun. And, and, and the lines in there, uh, all of the different things that between the managers um, and 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 just you could just feel the when when he has to cut a couple of guys. I mean, between the mm-hmm. beginning of the movie or or kind of the middle, he ends up having to cut the one guy who was in a big slump, and you just you just feel for him. And and uh, and yeah. have, having that's it's it, it's just kind of the harsh reality. And I mean, and really, this is a rom com disguised as a baseball movie. Yep. To, you know, if you break it all the way down, it but really it, is. it does such a good job of the baseball, and you know, and it's kind of like a. Uh, a, a romance with the game, a romance with your teammates, and then a romance with Annie. So it's really, yeah. it's it's such a good multifaceted movie. Just uh, it, it just makes me smile. It's another one of those movies that if it's ever on, because uh, I'm not a cord cutter, I, I still have cable. Like if sure. it's ever on one of those stations, I just watch it. Oh yeah, you know, this, just, I could staples. see that. This this fits into that. This fits into, and really, you know, uh, Ron Shelton, who wrote and directed this, went on to do White Men Can't Jump. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to do Cobb. And then Tin Cup, which is basically Tin Cup, makes me think of Bull Durham on a golf course. Yep. Uh, so I can. And he Costner's uh, so good in that movie too; mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so you can see like this is an early version of it, where it's almost like Tin Cup is like a distilled version of this. Like he he went back to the well and sort of refined what he had done in Bull Durham in Tin Cup and focused it a little bit more. This, if I had a a. Um, bad thing to say about Bull Durham, and this is a huge, huge nitpick because, spoiler alert, I loved the movie. I had a great time with it, is that it does feel a little bit unfocused in a couple of points where it's like, which which storyline are we going to follow? You know, are we going to, mm-hmm. is it Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins? Is it Sarandon and Kevin Costner? W- suddenly, out of nowhere, the one girl um, is marrying one of the ballplayers uh, after knowing right. him for like five hours. Like, so there was a little bit of that in there. But at the same time, this movie has so much charm to it that I just didn't care. Like, I had to think about that afterwards of like, do I have anything negative to say? And that was that was all I had. That was the one negative is like, yeah, it just gets a little muddled at times. But honestly, that makes it an 8 out of 10 instead of a 9 out of 10. Like, it's a, this is a good movie. Um, it's well-structured. Right. It's well-paced. Uh, hour and 47 minutes, I think. So it's not overly long. Um, mm-hmm. It's a like you said. It's a romantic comedy uh, wrapped in the veneer of baseball and minor league baseball at that, which I think, I think in a lot of ways works better in a film because you can use those smaller stadiums. It's easier to shoot in those, but also it just has this. There, there's something about minor league baseball that has this feel that is just more compelling than watching a movie about major leagues professional sports. Um, right. I think that's why 
when you see football movies, the ones that work aren't like any given Sunday is fine, but the one you're going to remember is, uh, you know, um, the longest yard or, or North Dallas 40 or the silly ones like the replacements. Like those are the right. football movies you remember. Basketball. Well, Bobby Boucher. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, <laughs> Water I, and, boy. <laughs> I, and I feel like baseball does that too. Like minor league baseball just works. There's something great about it either. Or you're doing a period movie league of their own right. Cobb, eight men out. Like there's something about well, that. And, well, what I was gonna say, what slaps you in the face about this movie, while you're talking about the pacing of it is it slaps you in the face when all of a sudden, uh, nuke, nuke gets called up to the pros and then it just kind of grinds to a halt because it's kind of this, uh, an escalation of their, uh, of, of him and, uh, crash and Annie's story, but it just kind of like, it goes just a little bit long. Like those scenes go a little longer. No, don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon and I love their story. There's just a little bit of a, uh, hitting a wall because you got this really good crescendo of the movie and then it kind of hits a wall a little bit. I guess that's kind of supposed to parallel like his career, how it kind of teeters out. And then he just has to hang on. I guess yeah. they had to bring it out a little bit so that when he does leave, it's just like uh, it even hits the audience in the face. But that's kind of what the ball player wants to do is to just that one. He wants to, he does, the, he says the record means nothing to him, but it, but in all actuality, it really did mean a, mean a lot to him. And, uh, and, and then he goes away. The, the Millie story is an interesting one because it's just, I guess it's kind of like his his backseat story where this is a, a girl that's, she's been around the whole league and everything else. And then uh, he, the the preacher guy, you know, the 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 clubhouse preacher yep. uh, finally kind of, you know, talks to her about it. And then she realizes that she was done being that. And, and it's funny because they didn't really flesh it out a whole lot, but it's just kind of, a, I, I think that whole thing really exists for the, uh, for for the scene on the mound where uh, candlesticks make a great make a great gift, yeah, and, oh, you yeah. know it's like <laughs> that's that's absolutely Robert Wool like... is, is hilarious. <sighs> so uh, okay, all right, Robert Wool. I, I want to talk about this cast because this cast top to bottom is great. But Robert Wool is an actor. So I just recently watched um, Predator Two last week, and I had seen it before. Uh, I had somebody on who'd never seen it, and Bill Paxton is in that, and Bill Paxton. I talked about last week has this ability to take a character who I should hate and just want to slap constantly. And, and I enjoy him. Robert wall does the same thing. Like mm-hmm. his character in this movie should have annoyed the hell out of me, but he's just, there's such a charm to him. And like, he's, you never see him without chewing tobacco. He's constantly talking a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I loved how, he's always like got a, got his finger on the pulse of what's going on with the team, but he's not, but, but he's just off. Like he knows what's happening, but he doesn't get the information. Right. And so like his buddies right there correcting him. And then at the end of it, you see him sitting in that rain out reading the like Mayan, what is it? Like Mayan culture made easy or something book. Yeah. And it just like that fit him so perfectly. And I just love that. And that made for the funniest moment in the movie for me is that mound visit. He just, he trots out there and he does, he nailed the coach trot, by the way. Like, oh yeah, he, he was, he, he nailed that. And he gets out there and he's just like, what the hell is going on? The whole team is on the mound. I loved that <laughs> moment so much. He's, he's a good character. So I, I, it's funny cause he reminds me of an infield coach we had in college where he was a guy that he's a perfect 
uh, we'll call him an assistant coach, uh, you know, since it's just the right hand man of the head coach. But you know, that guy could never be a head coach. Right. He's like the perfect, the perfect, you know, sidekick for the, the head coach. And you know, that guy probably knows he's been around the block. You know, he knows his thing because even Christ says, uh, you know, uh, you, you hung a 3 2 curveball and I tattooed that yep. over the left field corner oh, and won yeah. the game. Um, so, my favorite line that I use all the time, other than calling everybody meat every day of my life, oh. that, and half the people probably don't even realize what it's from because I'm constantly calling people meat because, you know, it's, I play hockey and I, I, you know, I still play softball. So, constantly just around sports and I just always call people meat. But um, whenever I use this in all, like, even because I'm, I'm a Met fan, so I know they suck all the time. So, <laughs> I use it. I always say, he, he says, uh, What's our record? Eight and 16. How'd we win eight? And he goes, it's a miracle. He just said, <laughs> yeah. how in the world did we win eight? So, so, such a great, great part of, uh, of that whole thing. So while my favorite moment is the, is the mound visit with Robert Wool, my favorite character in this movie, hands down, is Trey Wilson as Skip. The manager mm -hmm. is so good. Like, he's that perfect incarnation of the old school baseball manager. He's constantly chained. Like, you, you always see him smoking. He's, just sm he's, yep. he's like Jim Leland. Right was like the last one I can think of in the majors that was still yep. smoking, because I'm a Tigers fan, and when Leland was on the Tigers, I can remember watching games and seeing him like you'd see him sneak off into the tunnels like oh oh boy <laughs> uh, game's getting rough he's got to go fire up a heater, um, well, but Keith Hernandez doing that on the bench <laughs> yep. for the Mets and stuff like <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. So, yep. It's so weird too to think about that now, like when you watch pro sports and you think about back back when and guys would just be lighting up in the dugout. And smoking mm -hmm. during a game. Uh, who's it? Rob Dibble, I think, used to talk about he would, if they would have let him smoke on the mound, he would have done that while he played. <laughs> Which, honestly, if you think about it, there's an intimidation factor there to like somebody with just a cigarette hanging off their lips as they come set, ready to throw, and you know the guy can throw 100 miles an hour. Oh, I, yeah. I would I, just flicking it right before he's getting ready. Yes, to throw exactly that. <laughs> um, but I just, uh, Trey, now Trey Wilson sadly um, died of a cerebral hemorrhage, hemorrhage um, just a few weeks after this movie was done uh, or premiered. And I had it. no idea about that until I saw, saw that. I was like, that amazed me that I just, he just seems like a guy you'd seen in a million movies over like the last 30 years. But no, he passed away right after the movie. Yeah, Crazy. he was only 40 years old. Uh, and he was somebody, he was a, one of those character actors that popped up a lot. I mean, he was in mm -hmm. Married to the Mob, Twins, Bull Durham, Raising Arizona is the big one I remember him uh, from. And I would always conflate him when I was younger with uh, another actor who was in City Slickers. Um, played the the guy that ran the the ranch and city slickers because they both have a very similar kind of Texas accent, and so I could never remember if it's Trey Wilson or if it's this other actor, and I have to look every single time. Uh, it it never fails, but but he right. he was so good in this particularly, like playing that character because you mentioned earlier, and it was the way that they did the scene in the middle of the movie where he cuts the guy. And you can like it's played perfectly because he he gives you that that feel of, like he, especially a minor league manager where he knows not only is this guy getting cut but he's at class A in the minors there aren't going to be a lot of opportunities for this player leaving here right. like uh you know a guy at AAA and then he, he probably he, doesn't like, have much of a future like who knows yeah. he's you know it's he's, at this point you know because the Bulls are AAA now but back then I mean in the movies centered around a single A ball club. But those guys, and especially because you can tell the guy's not exactly, you know, 18 or 19. So right. you could just tell that that guy's career is, is probably over and he doesn't, you know, now it's the real world. 
And he just smacked him in the face. Yeah, he delivered that scene so well. So as soon as he called in Crash at the end of the movie to tell him that he was cut, I knew exactly what was happening the moment he called him in and said, close the door. And I was like, oh, no. And you could just, he played it perfectly. It was so good. Mm -hmm. And the difference, having that bookend, um, his time with the Bulls, as the first scene with Crash coming into the office and the way that he reacted to everything and the way he reacted in that last scene was also really, really great. Because, I mean, Kevin Costner, I like him quite a bit, and he was very good as Crash Davis. He, he, uh, one of the descriptions I saw of him, and I thought this was perfect, is Crash Davis was a man who loved something that didn't love him as much. Like, he loved the game of baseball more than it loved him. And he mm-hmm. just couldn't, he couldn't ever get away from it. And I, I, I adore that. I think that that's, and you get that in baseball, right? Like baseball seems like it's that sport where, I don't know what it is about it. I, maybe it's because it was so tied in like the the American pastime for so long. For me growing up, that was the sport to watch. Yep. Um, oh yeah. Now, nowadays you might see that with football, but I don't, I, I don't feel that same like, romanticized version of of pro football it's popular people love it but i don't feel the same kind of romanticized nature to it like i do with baseball and yeah and i think baseball has a has has that in a way because it's the careers are usually a lot longer even for even for your journeyman or or for like best way i can say you know the middle infielders or the utility guys yeah football just grinds up players i mean in five years so many players are are just flipped over in baseball you you almost feel like you know when you follow a team you feel like you know a lot of the players after 10 years and they're still around and they and then they may have a second career at another team and you just kind of appreciate them if they were good for your team uh and that's why i think like it's we have that love of of almost the 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 players as as you know, they they almost feel like more of our friends, whereas football players are here and gone. They they're kind of and and it's an otherworldly thing. Um, and it's funny, even uh, I talked to my son who plays you know he plays travel hockey. When you look at hockey players, almost like baseball players, because a lot of times with a baseball player or a hockey player, like if you saw them on the street, you wouldn't recognize them. Like I mean, unless you really really knew their face, a lot of times you wouldn't recognize them as a pro athlete. I mean, you knew they were probably either maybe an athlete of some sort, but you mm-hmm. see a football player, you're like, dear lord. Oh yeah. And sometimes you run into a to a pro hockey player and you're like, that guy's a pro hockey player? You know, and I mean there are, don't get me wrong, there are just specimens too of those oh, sure. sports. But oh, sure. a lot of times you see um, you know, and I think it was John Crook, uh, you know, and he makes a perfect example. He John Crook, you know, the the big uh he was the first baseman. Well, he played outfield first base, and then I think he DH for a while, but he was just a big fat guy who could just hit like hit hit three hundred for mm-hmm. just some of those guys who just had that ability. And famously a woman said to him, You 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 call yourself an athlete? And he said, no, I don't call myself an athlete. I call myself a baseball player. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's just, you know, perfect example of somebody who knows exactly. But um, you were talking about it being a different type of movie. And I think I saw Kevin Costner say it in, in an interview, uh, what makes this movie so much, uh, so much different than a lot of the other sports movies is how many times in a sports movie, uh, you know, the, the shootout to win the game or uh, the last drive to win mm-hmm. the football game yeah. or, or uh, bottom of the ninth or they're trying to get to the World Series or in the World Series. This is just a movie about the game and about uh, a few players and a snippet of their life. That's just it's what makes it different uh, as, as just a sporting movie and as a story. And um, I mean, Crash, I, I'm with you. I, I, uh, Kevin Costner might be one of my absolute favorite movies. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that I didn't even didn't like him in. 
Uh, he just he's just so good at what he does. And and for some reason, I haven't seen an ounce of Yellowstone. And as as good as I keep hearing it is, I haven't seen any of it. But I just love Kevin Costner and what he does to Crash Davis. And what's funny is, um, I think he's only like three years older than Tim Robbins, and they make. They make the guys look like you know yeah. uh, an era apart somehow. So that yeah, that was the other thing I was going to mention. So Tim Robbins was thirty in this when he made it. Now mm-hmm. he they play him as his first year of professional ball, so he's quite a bit younger than that. My guess would be they're trying to make it seem like maybe a college pitcher. Uh, so right. twenty two, twenty one. Uh, he kind of passed for that. He you know, and it helps that he's lanky. He was um, yeah tall. It's actually so. Tim Robbins has both the most, one of the more believable things and unbelievable things in this movie for me from like a baseball perspective, which is he looks like a pitcher. He's tall. I mean, Tim Robbins is six foot five. Like when you think of a pitcher with a huge arm, you think of these tall pitchers, right? So he, he pulled that part off. The unbelievable part of it is a guy with his track record getting called up to the majors in his first year of professional ball. Like that's not happening, but you know, I can... I can let that go because the movie's going to write that in. Fine, like yeah. That's... Well, they would have had to. They would have had to write up like they would have really had to build up how good his college career was. I mean, yeah. The, you know, they just said the ball club has this ace kid coming in that they really want, but they never really build up his backstory. Somewhat like they could have said something like, "Oh, first number one overall pick" or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Uh, and and even when they were talking about the streak, so I guess they were kind of building it off that. But it's another one of those hand wavy things of them. Yeah. You know, the roster's expanding, so they're bringing me up. So. Uh, you know, it's very rare to see a guy make a jump from from A ball, even with the roster expanding, unless yep. unless the guy's hitting like thirty home runs and uh, <laughs> you know in a month or something like that, and, and bring them yep. up. But uh, but yeah, but yeah I mean, it's, uh, it is funny about that. It's like that's a suspension of disbelief. I'm fine with because so much else in the movie felt real and felt right for like baseball as I know it. And having, you know, I played high school ball. Um, I didn't play beyond that because I got into track. Um, so thinking, thinking back on it, I don't have regrets, but I kind of wish I had played more in high school to potentially Mm -hmm. have kept going. But like, I grew up on baseball fields. You talk about playing in like the rural fields. My dad played after he graduated high school, he played for a number of years of kind of barnstorming semi-pro, uh, ball around here. And the problem here is in Michigan, that's awesome. you can only play for like three months because right. You know, they, yeah. I, I can remember having games like my freshman year of high school games that were called because of snow. Um, but he would he played for for a number of years after and then transitioned into softball as that became more popular. And so like that was what I grew up around. So I I feel like I have at least a pretty good knowledge of kind of what baseball is like. And so to watch this movie and see all of this and, and have it feel like, no, that's good. Like even even Tim Robbins in his pitching motion, while it wasn't perfect it looked like a pitcher it looked like mm-hmm. leaps and bounds better than i remember as a kid watching angels in the outfield and being like tony danza doesn't look like a pitcher like he looks <laughs> stiff and he has no leg kick and like this, his movements didn't look right and this felt like i loved how they altered his delivery partway through it too tim robbins how he starts yep. doing the fernando kind of mm-hmm. look to the sky and a little louis tiant turn and um, oh yeah i loved all of that i liked um how crash davis is a switch hitter and that was just subtly put in there. Like he bats in a game left-handed, but then he's at the batting cage. He just starts swinging right-handed out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, cool. And so I think that's because Costner himself is a switch hitter, and he played some in high school, and he was such a natural athlete that uh, yeah. has probably just worked in real, really well. Um, 
it's it's pretty cool reading the stories about uh how competitive everybody was and how much fun they would have yeah you know uh in the field and in between takes and um and it's funny but doing some research i didn't even realize it you know you see things when you watch a movie a million times but i never really realized that uh you know you see in some of their breath sometimes and you realize how oh, cold yeah. it must have been <laughs> and that they were recording this in uh november, october and november <laughs> and it was actually in durham like because there there might have been some places sometimes where they might have recorded somewhere else but but i like and i've read it that, that it was actually in durham but there are places they go and, and when she's walking up the street in certain areas um not necessarily her house but the other parts of durham and then the ballpark it's really cool because i live in apex north carolina which is and i've been to million durham bulls games and actually like i said i was in college in 93 uh, they were still at that stadium in yeah. 93. I'm pretty sure they started like the next year or two years later at the new Durham Bulls, the new the deep app. So I've seen a game at that place. And also, which is really cool, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, uh, they let they play some men's league. So I was playing in a wood bat men's league, and I got Ooh. to play on that field that they filmed this movie at. Uh, they usually let the, the leagues play every now, you know, every couple times a year or whatever on that sure. field. It's... It's I. It's magical. Stepping foot, especially if you're a fan of the game and a fan of the movie. I mean, and of course, everything around it looks a little bit different. Like the old silo is still there, and, and some of the other things, but it's not quite as industrial out there as it looks in the movie. And there's obviously there's no billboards and stuff like that. Like it's yeah. a little bit different, but the field is still pretty pristine. And when you're in the dugout, which you don't really realize now. So when you think of a dugout nowadays. Uh, there's usually like a door that would go to like a clubhouse or something. Sure. There's nothing in those dugouts. In it's if you really look for it in a movie, you realize that there's nothing. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just a cement dugout. Yep. In that place, That's old and, school. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, and it's uh, but but just playing the outfield, hitting on that field, just walking like you uh, appreciate every second that you're allowed to be on that field, and it's pretty cool to, to just look at the stands around everywhere. Uh, and it's and and of course the new the new Durham Bulls Athletic Park they they have the uh, you know the old bull from the movie is is yep. uh, I think they might move it every now and then but it's it's basically in the concourse area where okay. they have it and they've got a newer one that they that they have out in left field that of course every time you know they hit home run it, you know the bull goes off and it's yep. uh, you know and it's a great it's another one of those just perfect triple A ballparks uh, and now the the single A in the Carolina League is Carolina Mudcats which is out east a little bit in Zebulon. Um, and, and just like you said, the minor league experience is a million times better than I love major league baseball and all, but the, there's something up like the major league baseball doesn't cater to the fan, you know, you know, they, right. they kind of cater to the people at home in a way, but mm -hmm. minor league baseball is all about the experience of going to the game. And I think they show that a bit in the movie too. Yeah. So, I mean, major league baseball, I love going to games. I wish that I lived closer than 250 miles from Detroit so that I could go to Tigers games more often. It's like, I have to make it into a, a whole weekend to go to one game. Um, but, but there is something with major league baseball. It's like, it isn't a, a great experience, but minor league baseball has some, something different about it. And it's like, you're right. It's geared more towards the fan. They can be zanier. They can, uh, they can do some different stuff. Um, they can they can be a little more loose. There's the, the what's that team? The bananas. Um, the Macon is it Macon? Somewhere in Georgia, I think. Um, oh, and they're the doing minor, like, minor, the minor league team, and they're just doing like crazy stuff. Like they had the guy on four foot stilts come out and pitch one one inning, and like yep. you just oh, they get do that. crazy stuff in the minors. Yeah, we have a independent league team here that started up about 
10 or 12 years ago. Um, actually it was a little more than that. It's probably 15 years ago now. Um, and they can, they can get a little zany, a little goofy too. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, it's great having that in this area because again, I'm such in a rural area. Like it's nice to have that park. Um, the interesting thing there is I've never seen, it was the first time I'd ever seen a baseball field where everything was turf. The, the infield was turf. Um, and that Those threw are me funky to play first. on too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like that. I get it. I understand why, but it's so weird. Um, but yeah, there's something about getting to step onto a field and play. I've never gotten to play on a, a professional field, either minor leagues or majors, but I've gotten to walk out onto a field a couple of times. And just just that experience alone is unreal. And to, to think that these guys get to do that, you know, 80-something times or 160-something times a year, 142 games, yep. whatever their season is, and they, I don't know that I would ever get over that feeling. or how I don't know how long it would take me to get over that feeling. Uh, I don't know if you, I mean, like if, if you're a love, you, you might not ever get over that because it's just such a, I mean, maybe if you're around for a thousand games or something, you might, it might hit you, you might take it a little bit for granted. But like, if you go to, um, you know, when I go to a Carolina Hurricanes game and, uh, and Durham Bulls games and, you know, and you, when there, I always call it the awe of the stadium, you know, when mm-hmm. you're going up the tunnel and then yes. it just opens up in front of you, there's, there's spine tingling awe. And like you said, when you step foot on a field, it's, it's the same way. It's just, it's just an amazing feeling. Uh, to, to, to just do that. And I think one of the cool things with baseball is that every field is a little different. And so that experience feels unique to every single one you come into. Like I've been to a few college and, um, and whatnot fo- uh, football games. Mm-hmm. And I love the different stadiums, but they all, for the most part, you walk in and you see stands and you see a field. And that field right. is the same everywhere. Um, a couple of the NBA and basketball ones that I've done, they get a little bit of variation, but it's still kind of similar. But there's something about that that feel of walking out of the tunnel into the stadium of a baseball stadium, and you see, you know, whether it's in Boston and seeing the Green Monster or seeing Pesky's Pole, or you get to Chicago and you see the Ivy, or if it's this time of year, the Brown Wall, because the Ivy hasn't yep. grown in yet. Like, <laughs> But every stadium is a little different, and the, the minor league stadium's the same way, you know, as long as we're not talking about three rivers and riverfront uh, and those cookie cutter ones that came out, but like, right. There's just something so wholly unique about each of these places. And, and that's what I like about, uh, you know, baseball movies is they try to capture some of that. And so the good ones have mm-hmm. that memorability to them, whether it's bull Durham, the natural kind of tried to capture it. It did told a different story, but wrapped it up in baseball. Uh, feel the dreams is such an interesting and fun story, but then it has this back backbone of baseball that's different from Bull Durham. It's different from Eight Men Out. And that sort of is one of, I think one of the reasons why baseball translates to film so well is because it's such a unique experience every time. And it's such Mm -hmm. a game of anticipation. And the moments in baseball that are the most interesting are the ones that are happening between the pitches uh, a lot of times. Like not all the time, Mm -hmm. obviously you want to see the home run, but it's like, it's that anticipation, that buildup leading to that moment. And then it's the crack of the bat. And so there's something about that that just translates to film really well. Yeah, and um, you were talking about the Green Monster and stuff. So the uh, Durham Bulls Athletic Park has a blue monster uh, in left field, and it's actually got a wall there and a huge jumbotron um, kind of in left center field. 
Uh, and then right above there, uh, you can sit up there and, and you can actually watch. There's a Tobacco Road Brewery is right above there. and left. It's such a, a great little area that they've made that they've kind of produced around where the ballpark is now. Where a bunch of restaurants uh, outside of the stadium and then there's a brewery out there. And then um, a bunch of, a lot of times, food trucks on right, uh, you know, above right field where there's stands up in right field. And then in center field, there's actually kind of a little bit of a grass part where a lot of kids will just sit down and hang out over there mm-hmm. and just – just uh, it's very cool, like you say. Like every every one of these fields is is just a little different, and and, and hell, even some major league parks sort of they have like pools in the outfield yeah. and waterfalls and like just so many crazy things. And it's that's like you said, it's just the the atmosphere or feel to it. And and um, it's been forever since I've been to City Field, but I was up there when I around when I first first opened City Field, and it's like you can do more stuff around the ballpark nowadays the way they build these metropolises of, yeah, of yeah. stadiums where it's like a mall out there mm-hmm. then you go to get like a, a dog and a beer uh outside of the concessions and uh th- there's a couple of different uh i've got another stadium i want to con- contrast this to but you go outside and there's you're online getting a beer and there's like a hundred foot screen it's like you know a million k it's the most clear thing in the world so you're kind of watching the game as you're there but yep. you're really separated from the field mm-hmm. now when i went to uh um cleveland jacobs field uh i was actually there this was like the in 90 it was the first year that was open it was like 94 or 95 or something like that first year it's open and that feeling was completely different where it's very cool where everything seemed wide open in kind of the top of the concessions it almost felt like a minor league stadium because as you're on uh online for concessions you're still watching the game because everything's so wide open Whereas normally you have to separate yourself. Yeah. And that's what I, I like about a lot of these, you know, and, and again, in minor league, they kind of cater to this sort of thing because they want you in, uh, in, you know, in the situation, you know, in, in the feel of the game and not really uh, separate from it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's baseball is just, a, it's just a different world. And even, um, even hockey's not really the same where uh, some stadiums, like I think even Dallas has kind of that feel where you can be online and you're kind of watching, whereas most have kind of that bowl feel yep. where you're kind of leaving to go get concession stuff where they, they try to cater to never missing a, a second of action in a lot of these sports now. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty fun. Uh, I My contrast is always Old Tiger Stadium and the Comerica Park that they play in now um, because when you go to Old Tiger Stadium, when you'd walk away from the field, you couldn't see the field at all and it was all enclosed and tight and like that was an old ballpark, right? I mean, that still had like the trough in the men's bathroom. Right. <laughs> And oh, they I had stage right so bad. Those things oh, scare me. Oh have, yeah, no, I, have, I was uh, terrible. Nightmares of trough. <laughs> yep, I was like, I would, I, I can remember going to a game there and walking in, and being like, nope, I'll just, I'll be fine till the game's over. Um, <laughs> but like, they had obstructed view seats, which is just crazy to think about now that you could have seats in a major league ballpark where you're paying a few dollars less because you can't see half the field. <laughs> Yep. You had like a big oh, Shea pillar Stadium was in your like way. that in mezzanine. Yep. It, everything would go up so high, and and the uh, above you or was the loge, I think they called it, because the mezzanine or the upper deck would be above you. Yep. So if a ball was in the air, you had no idea where it was. Not a clue. You were just watching the fielders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then you get to Comerica, and everything is so open, and it does feel more like those minor league stadiums. And you sort of get up onto the concourse, and everywhere around that concourse, you can just you can see everything that's going on. You got a good view to the to the field at all times. I love stuff like that. I just love, I, there's just something, there's a romanticize, there's a romantic nature to baseball too. I think it's a, a poetic game because like you mentioned, an NBA player, you run into one of those, those guys on the streets, nine times out of 10, you know, this guy plays in the NBA, 
right? Because he's six mm-hmm. foot nine, and they just don't make people that tall uh, very often. I'm six foot, uh, almost six foot four, and like when I stand next to you know pro NBA pro basketball players, I feel like a, a dwarf. I feel oh, yeah. like like a like a dwarf from The Hobbit. Like I'm I'm coming up to their knees sometimes. It's crazy. Um, That's why point guards are six five and they look like midgets compared to everybody else. I, you know yes. how small they look. <laughs> yeah, Steve Nash is not that small. Okay, he's six foot three. Right. Like he's a big guy. Uh, football players are the same way. I remember working in a store and a, and a ex pro uh, football player comes in and I mean this guy's six foot five and he's still probably two hundred and eighty pounds and he just he's huge. He's just a, a, a side of beef coming into the store. But baseball players. You don't always get that. Like, yes, there are the physical specimens, and there's certainly more of them now. There are the guys that look like Tyler O'Neill in St. Louis, who just looks mm-hmm. like a bodybuilder, or Aaron Judge. But oh, yeah. you still get 5'9", 5'10". Look at uh, Jose Altuve for Houston. Looks like somebody's little brother running around on the field. Yep, uh, It's it's amazing. And so there's there's some of that where it feels like a game that anybody can play, even though, let's face it, we can't. Um <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever stood in the batter's box and watched a pitch go by at like 75 miles an hour and you realize that that's 15 miles an hour under what's considered slow, um, it's crazy. But there's that, oh, yeah. that and, part and of it. The, and, and, and Crash puts a, you know, the ungodly breaking stuff and, mm-hmm. and everybody can hit a fastball and stuff like that. When, it, when I was playing against some of these guys, they, there were uh, – 45 to 50 year old guys and i was about 21 when i was still doing 20 22 or 23 or whatever i was real young you know young whippersnapper compared to some of these guys but these guys could throw a ball and it would curve around you know it would go around your body three times and go into the strike zone it was just one of they just mm-hmm. had this control and the guys and they could still just throw so hard and then when you get the uh the you just see some of these guys that you know maybe just retired from minor league ball and stuff like that and you're playing out there with them it's just amazing what they can do and and it's just they're on a different level. I try to explain that to, you know, uh, I, I got into an argument one day, uh, and hopefully this isn't too sidetracked. You know, this just gives you an example of, uh, of like, just the perfection of those guys. And, and like I said, I was, I was nothing compared to anything. Like, I made a joke that uh, all these all these guys during March Madness, like, you should never miss a free throw. You know, I know the pressure and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, you know, we were, and we were talking, and, you know, my buddy was like, no, no, no. And I was trying to say, like, those guys are on a different level than the athleticism wise. And, and the best way I could explain it is uh, from, from about 200 to even 250 feet. When I was playing baseball every day and, and playing in college, if you were from two to 250 feet, you could put your glove anywhere around you and I could hit it on a frozen rope from that far away w- without even miss. You wouldn't even have to move your glove. Yep. And I wasn't even good. You know I mean? Like I said, the 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 athleticism of of those athletes is just and then you put it onto like put that to like the third power when you talk about major league guys oh yeah. it's just it's just amazing uh the, the athleticism uh was it brian scalabrini who played in the nba for i believe 10 years um but he was like the 12th guy on the bench like he was uh i, I think he was one of those guys that um could get the nickname of the janitor because he would always come in for mop-up duty right <laughs> he famously has said, and he will he will take on challengers who trash talk him. He always tells them, "Look, I am closer to Michael Jordan right now than you are to my skill level." And like he will just mm-hmm. and 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 this is a guy who was a like I know his name because I have a problem with knowing names of like random people in sports. Um, 
but your average NBA fan has no idea who this guy is, but he played for that long for a reason. And it's not just because he was six foot ten. Like you can't just be tall. You can't just be there's a there's such a skill level involved in that. And to to bring that through and to show that in the movie, I feel like was was a really smart thing. They got a guy, Pete uh, Pete Bach, who was a semi pro player. He was the um consultant on this film on Bull Durham. And he brought in a bunch of minor leaguers and had them playing all the background stuff and worked with the actors that were going to be on camera and have lines. So basically it was he would train all the actors to be athletes as much as possible, and he would have the athletes try to be as good an actress as they could be, and it gave you that feel. So like when you're seeing uh, you know, them them interacting, we got William O'Leary, who's not a baseball player at all, as um uh what's his name? Uh, Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy, the 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 right. clubhouse preacher. Like, he's not a baseball player, but they did as much as they could to make him look like one, so that it fit in with all of the minor leaguers that they brought in there. And that just, and then you you cast Kevin Costner, who has that athletic ability. Um, that's also smart. Like, I guess Tim Robbins got cast. The studio wanted to cast Anthony Michael Hall to play Nuke, and. Yeah, well, I saw that too, and I was like, "What? How in the world?" <laughs> I like, like, I like Anthony Michael Hall, but at that time in 1988, he doesn't feel to me like he could pass as a pro athlete. Um, True. Whereas Tim Robbins had this ability to look. It helps that he's six foot five, but he looked like right. an athlete. Um, he would have at least passed for the the star kid. You know, the Anthony yeah. Michael Hall probably would have passed for. I mean, I guess he was in better shape for. Um, what was the football movie? Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shoot, I don't remember. Uh, Johnny B. Good is that what yes. it was? Johnny B. Good. I think yes. so. So at least, so at least he was in better shape, and I'm pretty sure that was him in in there too. Uh, but yeah, Tim Robbins does a good job just because he has that look, that lanky look to him, and mm-hmm. uh, and Costner does have that kind of again, since even though they weren't very far apart, he has that. I don't want to call him. He has a veteran look to his body as yes. far as where you could say he could still play, and he did a great job. Um, because I, and I caught a lot through high school. I mean, I played middle infielder later, but I caught through a lot through high school. But in, in his mechanics were really, really good behind the plate with a lot of the different scenes that you see, you know, as far as chasing down the ball um, and then, you know, and throwing, you know, after the third strike, throwing it and or, or throwing it down to third. You know, different things like that I thought were really good. You know, just a little touches like when um, when people may not realize this too. So the foul ball, there was a foul ball he catches in one of the scenes behind home plate. Yep. And as a catcher, you're, you're, you're taught, you hold on to your mask, you locate the ball, and then you throw it way out of, say, so there's no way in the world that you're ever going to step on it. Yep. Like, you don't just take off your mask. And do, like, so, and Costa does a really good job. You can, you can see him doing all, everything mechanically. So it was very, very believable as him as this, you know, veteran catcher. Uh, yeah. In, in there. And you bring up like, you know, throwing down to third base after the strikeout. Like that's something that would be in the movie, but he makes it look good and then when they would show shots around the infield and the way the guys would catch and throw it right away and just like the the transfers it felt like like real athletes playing this game instead of just putting a bunch of actors out there and and having them mimic it um so they did a good job with that and i got to give a lot of credit to pete bach and and uh ron shelton um because they would uh, they would set stuff up, and basically the Shelton would say, "Okay, this is the type of shot we're trying to get. We need you know a throw from the outfield, one hop to the catcher, something like that." So Pete Bach could then get the right people. He's like, "I know this guy's got the arm to do it, and I know this guy can." Mm-hmm. You know, he 
if I tell him where to put the ball, he'll put it there. So like, those are the things that then what it allows you to do is it makes it, it lets you make a more believable movie because you're not taken out of the story by the stuff going on around it, not looking right or somehow feeling off. Uh, And then you can write this very kind of uh, simple sort of love story, romantic comedy thing in there um, that I felt like worked. There was parts of it that they didn't tug on a lot. Like I kind of thought they would go a little further with uh, Nuke and his dad and how like his dad's very religious and he didn't seem Mm -hmm. like that at all. But that was almost a throwaway gag. Mm-hmm. In a way, and it does make me wonder how. It's almost much like that... he was there for that one joke. He was there for, he was religious for her to, to when he says, uh, "Let let's pray," and she goes, yes. "Let's not," and yes. then she pushes him out the door. It was like he was there for that little joke, and that was about it. But which was was still pretty funny. I it, oh definitely, and and I wonder like how much got changed from the shooting script to the final movie because I know there was a um, her her dress when they come back from the road trip. And she's wearing that dress. She's got like the black veil and all of that that she that Susan Sarandon is wearing. Annie. Apparently, there was a subplot where the clown, uh, the baseball clown, had died in a car accident, and so she was coming from mm-hmm. his funeral. Like that was something that they just cut, but they they still had the scenes of her in that dress. Oh, so she's was, wearing so she's wearing a veil in right field during a game. Is what yeah, it yeah, is. yeah, yep. That's what it is. Yeah. And then they were and they so they and they took that scene. And I couldn't find I was trying to find deleted scenes and stuff of like that. I just saw the writing of that one where you said he where he they come from his funeral and and I'm glad they kept that out because that that would be a real huge halt to the uh, whole feel definitely. of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would for for a character who if you're a baseball nut, you know who Max Patkin is and you've seen mm-hmm. him before. If you're not, he's just this lovable, goofy guy that then she's talking to in the bar who, by the way, tell me he doesn't remind you at least a little bit of Bobby De Niro. He had a little De Niro yep. going on. Um, uh-huh. But it, if you, it would have ground things to a halt and it would have brought in like it would have it would have felt weird uh, to have that scene in there because there wasn't a huge emotional connection to the character to then mm-hmm. have this scene of like, oh, he you know died in a car accident. It would have been sad, but it wouldn't have felt right. And you're right. It would have just kind of ground things to a halt. So I'm glad that they cut that, but it was just weird to see her with that black veil. And, and it's interesting too, because if anybody, if anybody is watching or listening that doesn't know that he really is, he really did that mm-hmm. in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, he was one of the, I think they, they've given it to a bunch of people, but he was one of the guys known as the clown prince of baseball. And he went around to minor league just just being a goofball and having a good time. Like there's a lot of minor leagues have kind of their crew or their mascot, and then there's these these people that kind of go stadium to stadium. Usually, like uh, in some minor league stadiums, they may have a uh, a dog that'll go around, you know, run the bases in seventh inning, and and sometimes they have those dogs that kind of go from stadium to stadium. But he's just one of those guys that just is an entertainer that goes stadium to stadium, and he did that for. 30, 40 years or whatever. And uh, I don't know if yeah. he ever really did too much in the pros, but I know he was a big minor league staple. Yeah, well. he was definitely a minor league one. And that's that's part of why like I didn't learn about him until a little later on in life because really Michigan didn't have a lot of minor league baseball until I got older. We started getting teams mm-hmm. like the West Michigan Whitecaps and the Lansing Lugnuts. And I think there was a team in Kalamazoo for a little while. Um, he, he reminded me a little bit like – a different version of, but do you remember the King in his court? Oh yeah. So absolutely. There's sort the, of the, the, uh, 
the 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 tall tail the tail i mean it was, that was an amazing what they did but it's funny you hear those stories through all oh, yeah. of uh, oh yeah um four man team i mean and it was basically just one guy and like three infielders that usually had to do nothing um but that's who max kind of reminded me of like that type of thing he was a sideshow he was he was there for entertainment only um but i liked him and i, and I thought that was a cool like Again, this movie about minor league baseball. So have you know these things that are minor league baseball staples in it. I, I enjoyed that. And, and I think it's a movie too that that I appreciate more as I get older because, or as I got older, because like you uh, on Long Island, there really wasn't a lot of minor league baseball. I don't even think there was any until I left because there was there was for a while like the Ducks were a thing, and then they weren't a thing. And then after I went to college, they. Uh, later they became a thing because I've been to a couple of games since since then since I've gotten you know gotten older and go back home everyone and there's there's the Ducks are th- uh, I think they're in the, excuse me independent league then I come to North Carolina for college and then now live down here forever uh, there's just teams all over like I said there's uh, there's a team in Fayetteville there's there's kind of a I don't even know what I think they're a ball uh, down here in the Salamanders I think that's Holly Springs uh, and you know between Greensboro. Uh, Winston yep. Salem. I mean, there's Asheville, like the Asheville tourists. They even show them in a movie. There, that's a real team. I mean, yeah. all you know, Fayetteville, the Fayetteville Generals. All these teams exist. They're just teams. And down in in Wilmington, there's a team. It's just it's just so cool. You can just go, and it's very affordable as a family. I mean, you go over to uh, you can go over to Five County Stadium. Like I said, the uh, the Carolina Mudcats. Even the Durham Bulls is affordable. I mean, you probably get tickets for like ten bucks at any game you want. Sure. Uh, just. It's it's just a different world than spending a million dollars to go to a major league game. You know, yep. you're spending twenty dollars a seat, and then everything's come. I mean, it it's not the the food is still a little bit more than you'd like even at a minor league stadium, but it's still not the same as going uh, going to to a pro game and stuff. Oh like yeah, that. but it's yeah, uh, but it, but they're everywhere. So I really got to appreciate that as as I kind of got older. And what's funny is, so I I'll go go out cycling. I'll ride my bike, and I'm right by the tobacco trail. And if I get on a tobacco trail, I can go 10 miles up the road and you can get to the Durham Bulls Athletic Park right from a, a trail that I ride all the oh, time. That's it's awesome. Just, yeah, it's and just to uh, and, and again, these are things that you don't appreciate. I mean, you, you appreciate them, but not as much as, you know, uh, if I was, you know, Joe Schmo living in, you know, living in Nebraska, maybe just watching bull yep. Durham, you don't appreciate you would appreciate it more if you if you're somebody that doesn't go there but but just to have those and to be able to have uh have seen you know the old dap and then the Durham Bulls athletic park now it's just it's just such a cool piece of history that uh yeah. to, to go to uh another little subplot or scene that they cut that uh again I kind of understand why they cut it for sort of pacing reasons but if you at the end of the movie as the credits are rolling they're pushing in on a picture of Thurman Munson and I had noticed that picture earlier on when I, they showed a shot and they showed her uh, her little baseball shrine. And I was like, hey, it's Thurman mm-hmm. Munson there. I wonder wonder why that's there. And apparently there was a scene that had to do with um, with her uh, – I can't remember what it was now. But there was, there was a scene involving a conversation between Annie and Crash talking about Thurman Munson and how like something to do with her father dying – uh, and shortly after that, Thurman Munson, uh, she met him or something. So I was like, that's kind of a cool thing. And I just loved having that moment there. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, and it there's explains little... some of the little shrine in her house as well, too, yeah. to, to him and, and to baseball, too. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's all sorts of fun stuff in there. It, it, I have to read a couple of these IMDb trivia things because they made me laugh a lot. Um, there is this is always my favorite ones. Okay. 
actors that were considered for the role of Crash <laughs> Davis. Are you ready for some of these? You probably read them. Oh, I but, read them. Uh, and you go for it. These, these but are here great. we go. So I'm just going to go right down the list. Alec Baldwin. No. Tom Berenger. Maybe. But he ended up doing that a couple years later in Major League. So he's right. fine there. Uh, Harrison Ford wouldn't have done it. Um, I can't. No. I cannot see Harrison Ford doing the movie. Like, can I picture him in the role? Maybe, but I can't see. I can't picture him like being like, "Yeah, I'll do this movie." Um, right, Richard. And Gere. it's funny because you think of like the the ages of of some of those. I don't know how old. I don't know when. Was Harrison Ford born in the forties? I mean, yeah, because he was he... only like he's less than ten years younger than Sean Connery, so right. he would have been he would have been in his forties by then. Yeah, that would have been a that would have been a hard sell to, um, to I think. Yeah. Richard Gere. No, sorry, I don't I don't see that. Mm, he no. especially in the in the 80s, he would have looked even with the graying hair, he would have looked too young, I feel like. Uh Mel Gibson. Eh, I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones would have looked too grizzled. He would have made a yes. good manager. He could have played the Yeah, he would role. have been a good skip. Yeah. yeah. Um Michael Keaton? Maybe. It, it, Maybe. Now this is pre-Batman Michael Keaton, so we know him as Mr. Mom. It's a little tougher right. of a sell, but I think Michael or Keaton Gung is... Or Gung-Ho. Is Gung-Ho around this time, or was that after? Uh, might have been around this time. I mean, he would have okay. done great. I think Michael Keaton right. could have pulled it off. Um, right. Christopher Lambert? No. I'm sorry. There's no uh, way There's no way you're having a, a, a aging professional baseball player that has that accent. <laughs> that doesn't work. Right. Stephen Lang was the name on this list that made me question things the most because I forget that he's old enough that he could have played that role in this movie. Um, right. Now, whether or not, I, I mean, this list is bunk anyway. Like, this is just somebody throwing right, names I think, out. I think Costner, you know, I think Costner is the one that helped get the movie made. So I don't even yeah. know if a lot of people were actually considered for, for his role. Like, when I see when I see people talking about... Because uh, there's a good list of the Annie's ones too, mm-hmm. of, of Annie, uh, which those are, those could be believable because you're trying to find that certain uh, that certain age where it's a little older than the players. Yep. But not not I don't know, for lack you know not too old you know for for lack of not that but because they they were looking for that mm-hmm. that range you know I don't want to call any woman too old but you know what I'm saying like for right. the part. No, no, I, I get what, and and that was the the tough thing. And like Susan Sarandon was forty one when this movie was made. She was eight years older than Kevin Costner, and some people mm-hmm. at the studio thought she was too old for the part. Now she was great; she she fit right. the part perfectly. Um, Bill Paxton for Crash Davis, no, too young at the time. Right? Maybe uh, maybe Nuke. Maybe Nuke. Uh, Ron right. Perlman doesn't work either for me. Not as Crash. Uh, mm-hmm. Dennis Quaid try, again. So you try to picture any of those guys as baseball players. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, and I know Dennis Quaid probably. Oh, Dennis Quaid. How old? How much younger is he? Like ten years younger than Costner? Uh, or, or, I would have to. I, I don't have think to, he's that much younger than Costner, but I think that he he worked better when he got to play the older. Um, right, the, the vet, the rookie, like the. the yes. I'm oh, he's of, he's like the same. I think he's the exact same age as Costner, actually. Okay. So maybe that could have worked when he was uh, around there. And he has that same build too. He does. But I think I th- when he was younger, I think if he would look, there's a certain look that Costner has. Like we we talked about it, yeah, you know, a minute that, ago, like where he's that just veteran look. look. He looks he yeah. looks wise beyond his years, and mm-hmm. and that's what you need for Crash. Now these last two are the ones that just make me laugh and and absolutely make me realize. As I was reading this, I'm like, okay, 
No, 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 no. Oh, this is laughable. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. And I'm of course, like, okay. those have to, those. There's somebody going around adding them to everything. Every from the 80s. damn list. <laughs> like any movie that was made between '82 and '97, they just put Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sly Stallone. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other one? Oh, uh, as with, as is the case with many baseball films, the actors are using bats that are models used by the actual major leaguers. That makes sense. Those are the bats they're mm-hmm. going to be able to get. But I like the right. two names they threw out there. The character Bobby uses a George Brett model. Okay. George Brett, well-known mm-hmm. baseball player, Hall of Famer. And Jose uses a Chet Lemon model. I am definitely inside the Venn diagram of people, of baseball fans who know, who remember Chet Lemon. Oh, yeah. And so I saw that, and I'm like, well, I'm going to mention that on the show because I remember Chet Lemon from when he played for the Tigers in the mid-'80s. And diving headfirst into first base was always the thing with oh, Chet yeah. Lemon that made me laugh. I'm like, why would you do that? I um, love Chet Lemon. He was a hustler, too. A real big hustler. That's oh, the yeah. way I played the game all the time. See, what, what would made it would have been even funnier now uh, Now that you said it, I, I would have to go back and really try to see it. But if it was a way to see, there's that scene where uh, when, when Crash is first realizing he's kind of falling for Annie or having feelings for Annie, he goes over, he calls time out, and he goes over to the to the Bat Boy, and the Bat Boy gives him a little bit of t- pine tar. Now, oh, yeah. if you could see that it was a George Brett oh. when he was pine tarring it, now that would have been a really cool Easter egg That if, is, if we could have seen that. That is some so. S-tier Easter egg work right there. <laughs> That's somebody paying attention. I like, I like that a lot. Um, this was also the movie where Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins kind of met and really got together. Too, and they've been together mm-hmm. ever since, uh, which I think is yep. is really fantastic, especially in Hollywood. Like, for a relationship to last at all is impressive, and when it's oh, yeah. when you're high profile and, and it's, I mean, these aren't B level actors either. These are people that have been around and done a lot of stuff, and to think this was the movie where they met and that chemistry is there. You get, and and it's good chemistry between the two of them and between Sarandon and Costner too, and like in the way that it works is perfectly for the movie so i really enjoyed she kind of dances i saw when i was watching the documentary on it there was she she kind of like very much builds it up but not like like tim robbins says this was probably the most important movie he's ever done or maybe one of his fondest i'm trying to remember how he i think he said most important because a it opened up a lot of doors after this movie for him because people mm-hmm. were calling him and offering him parts rather than him having to audition for parts yeah and and he met the love of his life, uh, you know, and, and it gave him, uh, he said, a stepdaughter and a couple boys. So I guess he must have two boys with her. And then she must have had a, a girl beforehand because he because he specifically mentions about everything he got out of this movie between between a family and then opportunities uh, in Hollywood, too. So yep. that, that's pretty cool to hear, too. Um, yeah, it really is. Um, so I have a couple of clips I'd like to play. Um, it, sure. it's, it's funny. The movie has a lot of good lines in it, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like a movie that I had a lot of pieces to clip necessarily. Um, right. but I, I did grab a few. Well, there's uh, a lot of F bombs in it too. A lot of the good lines are, are F bomb laden. So that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, too. that is true. Uh, uh but, so, but well, let me mention this too before clips. Can I, can I mention yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Oh, one little tidbit? So, uh, I think it's the, I think it's Mitch's bar, um, yes. or Mitch's tavern. I think they call it Mitch's bar in the movie, but Mitch's tavern actually exists in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, I was been there years ago. I hadn't been there, and there's a lot of uh, like they have the window that they that, that he throws the baseball through is like uh, it's like framed in there. There's pictures that are signed. It's like it's there's a lot of homage to Bull Durham in in this place. I think it closed down during COVID. I think it's on a new management. 
Uh, I think the last I saw, it's not even reopened yet, but it's getting there. Uh, but it's really cool that it's down. It's actually on right around NC State's campus. Oh, nice. I can't remember if it's on, but it's but it's in that that area over there. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Like you see these little things, and and a lot of times, um, even when you see these roads they're on, uh, like a buddy of mine, either they turn some of these that just look like warehouses, but they're like apartments and like uh, yep. or really nice. I don't, they're they're lofts or condos, what, yep. whatever the whatever the high end word for condos or lofts <laughs> are these days. You know, they, there's they've turned a lot of those in there, so it's pretty cool seeing that stuff. But, uh, but that was that was about all. Oh, the um, and this might have been in a trivia too, but I remember hearing this, and I'm trying to remember if they. If they made the so when they were going for the bull mascot, they redid the bull uh, years ago when they were kind of you know with the new DAP and everything else, the, the new DBAP. Um, and uh, they named him Wooly Bull, is his name, yes. Wooly Bull. And I think a lot of that comes from I think I don't, again, I don't know if they took names from the public and then they just decided on one, but it comes from the the when they're in the uh van or they're in the bus, yeah, and he keeps he keeps screwing up the, the line, <laughs> the, the, the lyrics. Uh, women, uh, ladies are are woolly, and they're woolly. So they, it comes from that. His name is Wool. Although they say now like, the E stands for education, but it's basically Wooly Bull. Yeah, is is his name. So that's pretty cool stuff too. I love I love stuff like that. I like when when art influences reality, and we get those homages, and we get something like that. That just for me, that's really cool because again, this is a movie that is written and takes place in in uh, the real world. It's a real team. The Durham Bulls exist. Crash Davis um, is the name of an actual minor league baseball player. He was a, a bullpen mm-hmm. catcher for a number of years. In fact, uh, Ron Shelton went to him because he realized he wanted to use the name, and he's like, oh, I, I need to get permission. And so he went to him, and when he asked him uh, if he could use the name, his only stipulation was, does he get the girl at the end? Yes. All right, you can use it. There you go. That's great. So, like, I That's love that. Awesome. Um, and, and they really – so they really lean into, like, like the Bulls themselves, and I'm sure they're – there's probably other movies or other like venues that, that do things like this, but I love that uh, they really lean into the movie because they sell jerseys. They sell Davis jerseys and Lelouch. Mm-hmm. If you go to a Bulls game, Durham Bulls game, you will see a handful of those jerseys everywhere. And uh, I don't know why I don't have one, but I don't have one yet. But I now that I think about it, I have got to get myself a Crash Davis jersey. Yeah, I'd, that would be a great jersey. <laughs> Um, also Crash Davis's number was eight, which apparently was, uh, Ron Shelton's final number he wore in minor league baseball. So the production designer mm-hmm. learned that and used it. I love stories like that too. And it's um, funny. And I did notice, and I saw it in the trivia and then I noticed a while I was watching that his Crash wears a, it, yeah, his helmet says 20 on it. I <laughs> yeah. think, uh, yeah, his catcher's helmet has a 20 on it. So I don't know if that's just supposed to be because of, uh, you know, it's a minor league team. Every, you know, you got to recycle gear. That's that was my you thought, know, especially honestly, thirty was, years ago. Yeah, my thought was like, uh, well, they'll they'll make them a new jersey, but they're not making a new helmet. Like, right. they're not reprinting that. <laughs> um, all right, so a few. It's clips. a lot easier nowadays. Too. Yeah, it's a lot it easier is. nowadays. You can just go into the cameo machine or whatever and, and scratch yeah. it off. But but thirty years ago, they didn't have a cameo Ooh. machine hanging around. Uh, all right, so I got a, I got a few clips here. Um, this one uh, was great. This is again. This is Robert Wall doing something that. I should, by all rights, find really annoying, but because it's him, and it's also him and, and uh, Trey uh, in this scene too, Trey Wilson, but uh, this was him giving a rundown of what happened in, in uh, Nuke Lelouch's first professional game. In addition, he hit the sports writer, the public address announcer, the bull mascot twice. <laughs> I love the laugh too. <laughs> it was so good. He's so good. Um, oh, yeah. This one was... Uh, this this was 
I read that it was inspired by Tommy Lasorda giving the same quote. Um, and I remember hearing, uh, seeing some, some video of Tommy Lasorda actually saying this. Because if I remember right, I think it was a press conference. And I want to say he was just like going off on Kent Bavakwa, which again is a name that I have no oh, earthly great, business great knowing. Name from the past. But man, is oh, that yeah. a good name. And, <laughs> and this is one of the more famous lines from the movie. Uh, so of course I'm going to capture it. From what I hear, you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a f***ing boat. And boy, is that That's one that great. I use a lot. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All the time. I use it on myself a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially oh. being an old man playing outfield in softball. I, I <laughs> yeah. use that a lot these days. <laughs> um, this was a great little two-parter just because like, it just made me laugh. And it was when, uh, when she's trying to get him to slowly undress for her. Because he's just like, he's the young, he's just overly exuberant. So she, she tells him to take off his shoes and socks first. And his response is, my socks, it's cold in here. <laughs> and for her, without missing a beat, Annie just leans in and just tells him, you think Dwight Gooden leaves his socks on? And he That's immediately great. is like, all right, start taking my shoes off. Like. I love that. Let me tell you, I've been to old timey houses in North Carolina. He ain't wrong. They're probably drafty and cold in that place too. (laughs) Joe in the chat mentioned that interior scenes were shot in a house in his neighborhood in Durham. That's awesome. That's that's pretty pretty cool. cool. And I knew that's right. Because I know Joe lives right up the road there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I bet he goes to a bunch of games too. Um, I love the, the whole subplot where she gives him the, the um, garter belt to wear under his Jersey. uh, And, when um, when Crash comes up to him in the locker room and gives him the rose goes in the front, big guy. <laughs> so good because he great. just he just adjusts it a little bit and walks away. And um, it's funny because if I wasn't a hockey player, I wouldn't know anything about a garter at all. Because because use uh, well a little bit now they use Velcro with, with uh, hockey pants and Velcro and stuff now. But but back in the day, we always used these garters uh, to hold up your hockey socks. Yep, and they, they the the clasp works the same way as as those garters. So I wouldn't know any way to take those things off <laughs> if I hadn't played hockey for for millions of years now. Yep. Uh, and last clip, uh, I better than is all I see on my board. So we'll see. Well, your guess is as good as mine. What I recorded this morning. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than losing. There's something oh, about the delivery of that line too, and he gives the bug eyes, like the Tim Robbins bug eyes, when he's saying it. It's just like, and you you see the Costner's reaction is Crash Davis is perfect. He's just like this guy. Of course, it's better than losing. Uh, oh. And he goes, he says later, uh, he 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 kind of quotes the coach where he says, uh, uh, "It's a it's a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes <laughs> it rains." Think about that. <laughs> that whole that that scene, I am so glad they put that in there at the end with just that interview of him in the major league park, which I guess was shot in Arlington. Um yep. but uh they th- that interview because it's literally he's just reciting every cliche crash told him. It's so good. It, it's such it's a so perfect, good that he does too. It's yep. such a perfect bow on Nuke Lelouch and his arc in the movie. Like it's just great. I love how they just become such good friends like throughout. Like you know that uh, Crash doesn't want to be there, and then he oh, just yeah. kind of embraces it, and mm-hmm. he takes the kid under his wing, and uh, you know, 
know, uh, you just got your first lesson. Uh, you know, you, you don't don't get into bar fights. You know, I'm your oh. catcher. You know, stuff like that. I mean, just the little things like that throughout the whole movie are just great. It, that was a, a fungus a... on your shower shoes. <laughs> that that scene in the bar was great because it throws you when you're watching it for the first time and i'm confused i'm like why is he so upset because we've been seeing them get along more and more as the movies progressed and then all of a sudden for him to be upset like that the way that he was acting when he was giving him another lesson by being the upset drunk yep and it was all he was working him the whole time but the way that that all played out was just like oh that's beautifully done like that's just such good such a well-written scene and then the acting in it is what sells it and it's and and because they've built us up and we're getting this thing where we we it subverts the expectation of what you think that scene is going to start out as and and then it and then after subverting it the first time it does it again after he punches him in the face and the first question he asks did you hit me with your right hand or your left yeah and it's like oh well done well like look this is a good movie i i am I am shamed that it took me until I was 40 years old to see Bull Durham for the first time, but it is quickly risen to uh, a very high position on my favorite baseball movies. Um, oh, yeah. With the exceptions maybe of, I would say, um, uh, why is the name going out of my head? Uh, two two that I can think of were Field of Dreams. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorites. And And I love A League of Their Own. There's something about oh, that it's, movie. that's a that's a beautiful movie. I mean, th- those those four. If, if you throw Major League, uh, Field of Dreams, League of Their Own, and and of course Bill Durham. Bill Durham might be my favorite, but uh, those four are are must watch staples. That if they're on, I'm I'm, I'm watching them. Yep, absolutely. There's, there's just such a great. And of course, uh, two of them have Costner, so that's good enough for me too. Yep, that helps. So, so. Yeah, this was a super you know, and of course, said, oh uh, yeah. Uh, don't don't think it only hurts the ball club. You know, you got to use that all. You got to use yep. that as much as you can. Yep, exactly. Uh, I'm so glad that you recommended uh, that we watch this one. When when I could almost hear like the excitement in your voice when I said, "Well, I haven't seen Bull Durham." Like I could hear you like grabbing your chair, like, "What? Hold on now." Uh, which is yeah, what this show is about. In so. real life, I, I exclaimed <laughs> out loud when I when you said that. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Oh, we have to do this. <laughs> oh, this is perfect. So, so thank you so much for recommending it, and I'm glad that I finally watched it. And I'm definitely going to have it in a regular rotation. I'm going to watch it more often. Um, it, so super, I'll warn you fun. this though, um, I, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, you had enough fun to have me back to to watch one of those three hockey movies you haven't seen. But, but I'll warn you, those hockey movies are all good. But they're not Bull Durham. They're great, but they're not Bull Durham. Like it's it's so hard to live up to. This is you started high on the, <laughs> on the sports movies that you hadn't seen. Well, you know, I still, I mean, seeing the hockey movies, I don't have as as close a tie to hockey as I do um, baseball. However, hockey is another one of those that translates to film really well. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like so. You know, it's definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. And and as far as having you back on, absolutely, anytime. Um, this was a ton of fun. I had, I've had a blast tonight and it was great to watch this movie and we'll, we'll, we got to find something you haven't seen too. I, I got to bring oh, you that something. Would, yeah. That's what we, yeah. You have to throw out some movies, uh, in, in, a, in a month or so and in, in a month or two and, and figure out a genre and some movies. And I'd, I'd love to, cause I'm always in for things that, uh, I haven't seen, you know, especially, uh, cause, and of course you don't realize what you haven't seen until somebody throws something out and you're like, Oh, hey, you know, I haven't actually seen that. Yeah. You know, Bull Durham being an example <laughs> of that, like. A few years ago, if somebody said, yeah, list your favorite baseball movies, I'd have thry- mentioned, thrown out the name Bull Durham and not even thought about the fact that I had, wait a minute, no, I haven't. 
because it's just it's such a part of the cultural zeitgeist especially baseball uh fans like in general so so thank you so much for that um what have you got going on that you want people to know about so, uh, you know, I do a few things out there. I, I do the Geek All-Stars podcast. As a matter of fact, speaking of movies, we just uh, actually, we're going to record another episode this week, but we did do a spoiler alert for The Batman. So we, we talk about the, uh, we kind of break that down. So if you if you have watched, because we do spoil the hell out of it, if you have watched it and you want to uh, listen to listen to four idiots uh, or three idiots drain on about the Batman for a while. And then we, we talk about our favorite Batman and favorite Bruce Wayne's of all time and stuff like that. Uh, you can check out the geek all stars podcast. I also do, uh, you know, I do a, a every yeah, about once a month nowadays, you know, Friday segment with Scott and Brian on the morning stream, talk about some board games. Uh, I do the, I do the, the top five express board game edition with on major spoilers. And I also do a twice a month, uh, new show for board games, uh, called well, I call it the Munchkin Minute, but it's on the Munchkin Land podcast over there on Major Spoilers as well. So, oh, excellent! Uh, I spread excellent. spread all around. That's that's a lot of fun. If you if you want board game news and mostly release notes and stuff like that, you know, releases new releases coming out and such. I, I give about a uh, fifteen in, in some Kickstarters that are out now. I do about about fifteen minute news show, quick quick hit news. My show itself, when we when we record the Geek All Stars, there's nothing quick about it. We just drone <laughs> on for three hours, and it's 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 great mowing. It's great mowing content if you if you appreciate that sort of thing. Excellent. And, and board games having such a renaissance in the last, you know, five to 10 years, it's great to see all these things. I mean, I have to keep myself away from Kickstarter and board games on Kickstarter because I just want to throw money at all of them. Like I want that one and I want that one to happen and I want you to make this game. And uh, once you start, it's hard to stop for it's, it really is, especially with Kickstarter. I have to like peel myself away and it doesn't help that I do a show where I cover Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm always like, yeah, I better cover You better do that. But, mm-hmm. but I really appreciate you having me on. This is your show's a blast. I love, uh, you know, I love all sorts of movie shows and it always helps when you, when you kind of know most of the people that are, that are on there. Cause it makes you seem like you're, you're sitting in a room with them. And that's, that's, that's always the great content to listen to, but I, I really appreciate it and how to, how to blast. Well, thank you. I had a blast too. I'm really glad that we connected. We got you on here and definitely have you back. Uh, sometime soon for sure i don't know exactly when yet but we'll we'll work it out we'll find a movie um or a few probably uh and definitely have you back this has been fun this has been a ton of fun i record this show sunday nights at 8 p.m eastern time at twitch.tv slash tv's travis as a live stream and then it comes out as a podcast on wednesdays wherever you get your podcasts you can also find it at tvstravis.com because i gave it a name that's tough to search for i put punctuation and things in there it was dumb but um, if you go to tvstravis.com, you can find the Apple, Google, Spotify, or the RSS feed. Put it in your favorite podcatcher. Um, 163 episodes, uh, or 162 episodes now, sorry, uh, to, to listen to. So that's always great. If you want to support the show, um, obviously a follow on Twitch. Uh, Twitch subscriptions are always great. But also Kofi, uh, ko-fi.com slash tvstravis or you can go to my merch store at store.streamelements.com and I got some t-shirts and coffee mugs and whatnot with my logo on it. And that's always fun. That's a way to help support the show. Um, and if you can do that, that'd be great. Uh, but next week um, uh, is to be determined. I'm figuring that out. Uh, and I, ha- I do have uh, some fun stuff coming up in the next few weeks. So be ready for that. Dan, once again, thank you so much for being here tonight. This has been a blast. Thanks a lot, man. And for everyone else out there, remember to enjoy your movies and... Look, the world's crazy, so let's be excellent to each other. There's been weight you haven't seen.
Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well, Nook's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live, was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>